0: Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. These moments for us is not just about an event. Anybody can throw an event and we can have a great time, but really, as Pastor Chris said, it's about engagement, it's about connection, it's about relationship. And so the the goal of everything that we do here um, or any event that we do is always tied to getting Uh, men or women or students or young adults connected um, in small groups, connected with one another, that it goes beyond the event to life together um, because life transformation happens in the context of Christ-centered relationship. And uh, so just so grateful that you're here. I'm going to open up in prayer, share a a couple of thoughts with you, and uh, look at at your table. And you can say something manly today because there's no ladies around. So you can look and you can just say, man, I'm pumped. Shut up. I mean, what what do you want to say? Uh, But look at your neighbor and say, man, lean in. Lean in. Lean in. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God. Lord, what what a great moment. What a great opportunity that, Lord, we get to gather together. There's something about men gathering and worshiping. Um, there's, There's unlike anything... Uh, There's nothing like that in the world, God. And so I'm grateful for this moment. I believe you have something to say to us today. Uh, So, Lord, I pray that you'd give us uh, eyes to see, Lord, what you want to show us and ears to hear what the Spirit of God would speak to us. So, Holy Spirit, our hearts are open. Our ears are inclined. uh, Our eyes are focused. Uh, Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Uh, You know... When I first laid my eyes on Jackie, how many of you guys know I had vision? Let me say that again. How many of you guys know I had vision? See, when I, when I first laid my eyes on Jackie, I, I, saw, I saw something. And, and I'll never forget, she walked past me. I was sitting in the back of the church, I was sitting with my pastor, and she walked past. And my pastor nudged me and said, Man, you're going to marry that girl. I was like, Please, let that be from God. You know, she's way out of my league. But when I saw her, I saw a hope in the future. It took her about a year to see that. Uh, but eventually, God opened up her spiritual eyes to see that I too was also a hope in the future. But, but there was something about that moment that I saw what could be. And, and I, I want to show you a passage found in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says, Where there is no vision, The King James Version said, people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. Now, the Message Version says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. You know, can I just tell you that the devil hates vision. The devil doesn't like expansion. The devil doesn't like you to envision the possibilities of a hope and a future. The devil doesn't like the idea of men gathering together under the name of Jesus uh, to make an impact in the world in the kingdom, to push back the kingdom of darkness. That, 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 that doesn't excite the enemy. The enemy does not want you to see clearly. The enemy does not want you to see what God is doing. Why? Because his goal in his heart is that everybody would perish. And so my question to you today is, can you see what God is doing? Can you see what God is doing in your life? Can you discern and can you see what God is doing in our church? Can you see how God is leading you uh, in the current season that you're in? Because the question is never, is God doing something? The question is always been, can we? the question has always been, can we see what God is doing? Because God is always moving. God is always on the move. God is always doing something. This, this last week uh, we got back from Colorado, and then I jumped on a plane the next day and went to Los Angeles, and I was coming back from Los Angeles, and uh, I had my backpack, I had my orange juice, and my glasses were behind my backpack. And so plane, you know, we're getting ready to board. I grab my backpack and orange juice. I leave my glasses. How many of you guys know it's, it's not a good idea uh, to lose your vision? It's, it's not a good idea because you, you, at that point, even right now, I don't have my glasses. I have another pair, but uh, they're a little bit tweaked and they don't, they don't fit very well. So I can see right now, but, but I can't see. Right? I, I think we, we have a lot of people in the kingdom that they can see, but they can't see. I think we see some of them are, are nearsighted, right? Some people can see close. They can see what's going on right now, but they they can't. They have no vision for what's ahead. They can't see, you know, what, what's coming or the possibilities uh, of what God can do. We have some people that are farsighted, meaning they can see what's ahead, but, man, they can't interpret what's in front of them for the life of them. And, and, and that's, that, that's dangerous because you could look ahead, but if you miss the present moment, that's just as dangerous as not seeing the future, not seeing what's ahead, because if we can't see what God is doing right now, that's gonna impact what we what God or, or what God wants to do in and through us in the future. I, I think there's some of us that uh some people are colorblind, meaning they just can't discern the different aspects of the season. They have a hard time calculating. There's a little bit more confusion and distortion. They can't see the different nuances on how the spirit of God is, is moving. And then, then I think some are tunnel vision. Right? You just kind of get in your lane. You don't really see what's happening over here to the left, to the right. You don't see what's happening in the head. You don't really even really see what's going on right in front of you. You just kind of got some a focus in maybe a particular area and you're missing a, a, a bigger picture. And I I believe that God wants to to use Joshua to speak to us a little bit today. If you guys have your Bibles, you can turn there. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. It says, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and with its mighty men of valor. So so the context here is Joshua is looking at probably the most fortified city uh, in the land of Canaan. And it's going to be his first battle after crossing the Jordan River, which was a miracle in and it, in it of itself. But, but he's looking at a fortified city combined with the lower wall and the upper walls, about 80, 80 feet um, in regards to walls. There was a great slant uh, from the upper wall to the lower wall. It was a military nightmare. It was, it was anybody that would try to conquer that, it, it would seem from a ground level, like an impossibility, would seem just, it, it was a nightmare. And the fact that they didn't have bombs and technology and things that we have today, it just, it, it looked like an impossibility. And so, but you see a contrast here of two perspectives. You know, the first, we see what Joshua is seeing, and then we also see what God sees. Joshua sees a, a military nightmare, Joshua is a leader uh, of, of former slaves. He's looking at his team like, I don't know. This is going to be a tough one. I'm not really sure how this is going to play out. Physically, Joshua is looking at an impossibility. But the contrast is what God sees. And what God says, see, I have given Jericho in to your hand. See, I, I think... Gentlemen, if we're only seen from a physical perspective, we're going to find ourselves so discouraged in so many ways. Because we are facing, even in the Bay Area, when I went to Colorado, even in Los Angeles, it was crazy. Everybody that I told that I pastored a church in the Bay Area, it was like their, their countenance shifted and looked at me like, are you okay? <laughs> like, do people come to your church? And, and I thought, well, what are you talking about, Right. And I realized that what God is doing here is very unique. To the physical eye, the Bay Area seems unreachable. Even in the Christian community, even people who aren't saved. I was with a bunch of people who weren't saved in Los Angeles this last week. They said, Man, do people actually come to your church in the Bay Area? They actually come to your church? They actually come. It's crazy, right? Go figure. But, but if we're only seeing from a physical perspective, there's going to be moments where it looks impossible, where it looks discouraging, where we're going to want to lay down, where we're not going to want to push forward. We're going to want to quit because of the impossibilities that we face, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in our career, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in just our soul trying to navigate this times and the season that we're in. If we only look to the physical, there, there's going to be moments where you're just going to, oh, I just want to throw up your hands and quit. And that's where the enemy wants us. The enemy wants us to lose vision. He, does not, he, he doesn't mind if you're seeing impossibilities. He doesn't mind if you're seeing into the physical realm. He just doesn't want you to see what God sees. He doesn't want you to catch a vision of, of how God sees things. And so we have to see that we live not just in a physical but a spiritual world. There's a spiritual reality that you and I are living in. So how, how, how does this play out? I just want to give us three simple things, and I want us to dialogue about how, how, do we, how do we gain spiritual vision in light of looking at Joshua's life, just for a moment. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. The first one is this, is that spiritual vision comes from communion with God. Spiritual vision comes from being in the presence of God. Uh, Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, it says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and he looked. And behold, as a, a man was standing there before him with his drawn sword in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Now it's interesting because Joshua is in a moment where he is looking at the impossibility. Knowing Joshua just from the context of his relationship with Moses, going all the way back to Exodus chapter 17 where he got a taste of God's presence and where he got a taste of his first battle, where he experienced the supernatural move of God on the battlefield, Joshua had an understanding of the presence of God. Joshua, when Moses um, would be in the tabernacle, Joshua was the guy that would sit at the door of the tent, just wanted to be close to the presence of God. When, when everybody, would, when Moses would go up on the mountaintop, Joshua couldn't go all the way up. But Joshua would get as close as he could get because he was hungry for the presence of God. And so Joshua was a man of God's presence. And so I, I would assume that as Joshua was looking at this, this impossibility, it's pr- he's probably having a moment of prayer. He's probably asking those questions like, man, Lord, what in the world? You see my guys, Lord? what? How is this going to work? But in this moment, he's, he's looking, he's praying, he's watching, he's contemplating, he's meditating, he's trying to figure out, man, how is this going to work? Lord, I know what you said, but what I'm seeing, how is this going to work? And so, so Joshua is, is in this moment, and it says that he lifted up his eyes, and he looked. And it was in that moment that he saw this man. Man came out of nowhere. Drawn sword looked very natural, kind of like Moses in the burning bush. There wasn't anything really, uh, you know, special about the bush except it was on fire and it wasn't consumed. And this guy jumps out. He has a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua was like, dude, what's up, man? Are you for us? Are you against us? He goes into battle mode. He's not really sure what's going to happen. And 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 this guy has a completely different focus. This guy, a matter of fact, doesn't even really respond to Joshua's question. Joshua is asking him, are you for us? Are you against us? But this guy's focus and concern is not about Jericho. This guy's focus and concern is about God and accomplishing his purpose. He looks at Joshua and he says, no, I, I'm not for you or against you. He doesn't even respond to to Joshua's question. See, this guy is focused in a completely completely different, his mind is in a completely different place. And I think sometimes, man, we get so focused on winning the battles that we lose sight of the big picture. I would say sometimes we get so focused on conquering, we can't even lose sight of God himself. Even when we're doing something for God because man we 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 gotta conquer, we gotta win, we gotta we gotta go, I mean, you, you look at Moses, Moses was so passionate, he was so bent on 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 winning, so bent on delivering God's people from the oppression of Egypt, he killed a man, lost sight of god's plan, God's will, God's purpose, the way God operates, because he just wanted to win, he wanted to deal with it, he wanted to strike, he wanted to to go and so 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 I I, want to ask you a question. Are are you more focused on on winning the battle, or are you more more focused on God's purpose? Are you more focused on winning the battle, or more focused on God's plan? Are you more focused on seeking the victory, or are you more more focused on on seeing and seeking God? Uh, if, If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Spiritual vision not only comes when we're in the presence of God, when we're communing with God, but it also comes when we submit to God's purpose, when we submit to God's purpose. So Joshua is in a moment right now where he's focused on winning, but this man is focused on something else. Uh, chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, it says, And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No! That's a weird response. Are you for us or against us? No. I'm not for you or against you. Again, I'm in a completely d- different place. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. He's focused on heaven's purpose. He's on mission. He's, he's there, and he's going to give Joshua a context uh, that Joshua is trying to figure this out. He's trying to understand, man, what's happening, what's going on? And Joshua, you're asking me, are you, am I for you or against you? But my concern is serving God. My concern is following him. And so, so Joshua is focused on winning the battle. This man is focused on the purpose of God. And, and the passage continues, and it says, And Joshua fell to his face. So now Joshua's starting to get it. He's starting to realize this is no ordinary man. This is a moment with God. Many scholars believe it was a pre-incarnate Christ. Some scholars believe it was an angel. You could kind of build a solid argument both ways. We, we don't know. But we know that this person is about God's plan, about heaven's purpose. And Joshua was about to catch this. See, Joshua had a posture of battle. This man had a posture of worship. And he was trying to open up Joshua's eyes to see, whoa, 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 slow down, man. Let's go back to Exodus 17. Let's go back to that first battle. Let's go back to how you won when you were not skilled at all. When you just came out of slavery and never fought a battle in your life. Yet you stepped in against the Amalekites and supernaturally God moved in such a way. And from that point forward, the Lord said, Joshua, I am your banner. I will go before you. And so he's bringing Joshua back to this this perspective, this posture of worship over warfare. And so Joshua fell on his face, his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And so now it's no longer about winning or losing for Joshua. It's, it's, It's not even about conquering Jericho. All of a sudden the priorities shift from conquering to worship, from, from winning to worship. And, and in this moment, uh, we, we, we find Joshua's posture completely changes. He goes from a place of defense, a place of warfare, to a, a place of worship. And the greatest warriors have always been the greatest worshipers. Like when you look out through the scriptures, the greatest warriors, King David, there's probably not a, a, another brilliant mastermind like King David, he was a mastermind when it came to battle, but he was also a master worshiper. that man knew how to worship the greatest warriors are always the greatest worshipers and so my, my, my question is, is is as men of God, uh, in all of our tenacity and all of us you know we want to win, we want to conquer, we want to fix, we, we want to move the ball forward, but in in all of all of that, are we more committed? To, to, to getting the battle won or to God's will? Are we more committed to winning the battle or are we more committed to the Lord's will? B- because what if God's will looks a little bit different than you expect? Like you have a way, I have a way a lot of times that I think this is how we're gonna win. But, but what if what if God's will is a little bit Different than that. What if the Lord said, yep, you're going to win, but I'm going to ask you to do some things that might look a little bit silly in the eyes of others. Because I want to declare my, my glory through you. And that's what he told Joshua. Like, I, I want, I'm going to get glory from this, bro. Like, you're going to be an instrument of my glory. So I'm going to ask you to do some silly things that's going to contradict every battle plan out there. And, and are, are you more concerned about how you look in winning this battle, or are you more concerned with my will and my glory? And so, so we see Joshua is, is in a moment where he's trying, to, he's trying to figure this out. I don't know. I mean, am I more concerned with God's will and God's plan or my reputation? Because, I mean, you guys both know that, man, it's tough sometimes when God is going to ask you to do some silly things that might look a little bit embarrassing, it might paint you, you know, in a, in, a, in a different kind of a light. But we have to answer the question is, do we want his will more than we want our win? And, man, I'm telling you, there's some things that, that we want to win in that God is saying, you really don't need to win there. I, I got something completely, something else completely different for you. Are we willing to make that pivot? Is God's will more important than our win? And for Joshua, I mean, this, this was super important because God was getting ready to ask him to do something that was, that was pretty silly. God was getting ready to, to ask him to take the city by marching. By marching around it. Man, grab some horns. March around the city. It's a classic story in the Bible. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you probably have heard this. But there's so much significance here. Going to march around. It's not going to make any military sense. The people of Jericho, they're afraid because they've heard the stories. But they probably got a little bit encouraged when they just saw them marching around. Like Maybe this isn't going to be that bad, right? Like, they've heard the stories of God's deliverance, but now these guys are marching around the city. The people of Jericho might have found a little bit of hope in that. Like, these guys are ridiculous. Like, they think they're going to t- take down this fortified city by, by marching around and singing some songs? So it's probably building a little bit of confidence in them. And and could you imagine for Joshua, hey, hey, who commanded this? Who commanded this nonsense? That's you? This This is your plan? I mean, Joshua had to make, he had to make some decisions. But the reality is this, is that if we're not submitted to God's purpose, you'll never have the courage to carry out God's plan. If you're not committed to God's will over your win, you probably won't have the courage to carry out God's plan. Because sometimes our win is rooted in us. Even though God is saying, hey, Joshua, this is yours. I'm giving this to you. This is, this is my plan for you. But even when we're in God's will or even when we're, we're, we're fulfilling what God has called us to do, we can still do it in a way that's apart from him or try or attempt to. And like Joshua, many times we have to correct back. From a posture of trying to win, a posture of, 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 of warfare to a posture of worship and recalibrate. If I could give you a dime for every time I've had to recalibrate, man, I'm a driven guy. I want to win. Come on. Like, I mean, we're, we're, we're guys. I don't want to lose. I don't want to be second. I want to win. Like when our team is playing, I, it's not like, hey, way to go. Hope you had fun. I want to win. But, but my, my desire to win can never trump my worship because in that I lose. In that, in that we lose. And so if we're not submitted to the purpose of God, we're going to have a hard time carrying out God's plan. And so Joshua, he says, And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place that you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You know, we, we see a pattern throughout Scripture that there's always spiritual preparation before physical victory. It's, it's, it's woven. I mean, just in, just in the book of Joshua, in chapter 3, before they crossed the Jordan, he said, consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart, for tomorrow the Lord is going to do great things, miracles. Chapter 4, he said, take some time to be with the Lord. Let it be a time of thanksgiving. Why? Because a new season is on the horizon and you're going to eat from the land goes into chapter 7, make sure you don't have sin in the camp. Make sure you get rid of that disobedience in your life. Why? Because if not, you're not going to know the victory. In other words, get things right with God and then go and attack the city of Ai. It's yours. There's always a sense of spiritual preparation before there's a physical victory. I like to say it like this, worship always comes before the wonder. Worship always comes before the wonder. And so these guys are walking around Jericho. And what are they walking around Jericho with? Does anybody know? The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the place that held what? The presence of God. And so so they're making a huge statement. What they're saying is the presence of God is key to our victory. I don't have to be the smartest I don't have to have the best strategy. I don't have to be the strongest. I don't have to be the best warrior. But I need the presence of God. I need the presence of God in my life. And so what did they do? They, they blew trumpets. They shouted praise. They had a posture of worship. And the walls fell. I, I just wonder how many walls are erected in our life. Not because we don't have a posture of warfare, but because we don't have a posture of worship. Because there's things that God has been speaking to us that we've been avoiding because we've been so focused on winning that we're missing his will. And I just believe that God is drawing us to himself. Listen, men of God in in, in the Bay Area, we have to be able to see what God is doing. We can't be in the kingdom blind. There's too much at stake. You know, I, we, we're gonna, we wanted to come and laugh and eat, but I just I felt this, this, this sense that, man, people are looking at the Bay Area as a lost cause. And I'm like, we're, we're so primed for revival because the world is watching. But we need men, men that will understand the presence of God that will understand what it means to have a posture of worship as our, our, our strategy for warfare. I'm telling you, it, it, if, if we can grasp this, man, things, things can shift in an incredible way. See, the, 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 they, they blew trumpets. They, they started to praise. They had a posture of worship. Taking the land was not as important as the worship. The land was an overflow, the the occupying the land was an overflow of their worship. It didn't, it it was, God was saying, listen, I've given it to you, but there's a process. I, I have a plan in this that I want you to catch, Joshua. And he caught it. And so I would propose to you today that the solving of our problems are not as important as worshiping God. That as men of God, we have to understand what it means to commune with the Lord, what it means to submit to his purpose, what it means to, to want God's will over our win. Because in that place is victory. It's victory. And the last point is this. The spiritual vision comes from believing what God says. Believing what God says. Let me bring you back to Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went in, none, none went out, and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. The bottom line, gentlemen, is that if we don't believe the promise, we'll never trust the plan. If we don't believe what God is speaking, we'll never submit to a silly plan like marching around. If if we don't believe the promise, you'll never trust the plan. And it's the presence of God that begins to sensitize us to the voice of God so that we can understand. Because apart from God, many times, guys, the plan doesn't make sense. The only way that Jericho makes sense is with the God equation. If you remove God from that, it doesn't make sense. It's a physical impossibility. But Joshua wasn't looking through physical eyes, but he was looking through spiritual eyes. He was able to see not what he was doing, but what what God was doing. Can I just tell you, apart from God, like being vulnerable with your wife is not going to make sense. Forgiving, letting stuff go, healing stuff up in relationships—none of that stuff makes sense apart from God. Why? Because people have wounded us, people have hurt us, people have done some shady things that you know physically it just seems like man, that's an impossibility. But you put the God factor in there, and all of a sudden it starts to make sense. It may look silly on the surface, but it makes sense in the spirit. You know, there's so many things that that a lot of times we we don't want to touch because it looks silly on the surface. But, man, you put the God equation in there. God may be asking you to do some crazy stuff, to trust him in some areas that, man, like Pastor Chris said, in some vulnerable places. it, It may be hard for you to be vulnerable with God. And and at some point, at some point, we have to stop trying and start trusting. I hear hear so many guys, man, I'm I'm trying, man, I'm trying. Yeah, but are you trusting? Man, I man, I'm just trying to work this out. I know you're trying to win, but are you trusting his plan? Are you believing his promise? Because if you're not believing his promise, you're not going to trust the plan. So I want us to lean in today, I, I, I want us to lean into this thought, and, and I close with this, is that that Joshua's faith determined the destiny of millions of people. And, and I want you to think about our homes, our children, this region, this Bay Area. There's millions. And Joshua's faith, was going to determine the moving of the ball, the moving forward. And that faith impacted the destiny of millions of people. So what I'm saying, I'm saying, gentlemen, we have to be men that see what God is doing. We have to be men that understand that seeing that not just physically but spiritually happens in communion with God. If you don't have a prayer life, you don't have... Time with God and His Word—a time of intimacy. The Bible says that you will find Me when you seek Me with all of your heart. Like, apart from that, you'll be looking in the natural, and you'll be frustrated and discouraged. We have to see that God's purpose, spiritual vision, comes by submission to His purpose. It may be silly sometimes. It may be embarrassing. You know, you think it's it's easy. Like when God wants me to go repent to my wife, and she's right. That's embarrassing. That's silly. How can I cannot be wrong, right? But it's the God factor. His will is more important than my win. And then, gentlemen, we we, we got to make sure that we're believing what God says. Or we'll never step into the plan. we got to be people of the promise, men of the promise of God. That we would not just try. Coach, I'm trying. Stop trying. Start trusting. A lot of times when we say we're trying, what we're really saying is, man, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure about God's plan. I'm not sure if it's going to work. I'm not sure if prayer is going to work. I'm not sure if opening my Bible is going to work. I'm not sure. I'm I'm trying, but I'm just not, not trusting. But if we would trust, we'll start to step out on waters. And that which should consume us, God will cause us to walk on top of. And it will affect the faith of millions. Let's change the narrative, gentlemen.